Preston. Where's Preston at here this morning? Preston, come on up, buddy. So proud of Preston. Wednesday night after Bible study, he decided to give, himself, uh, give his life to the Lord. So here's your certificate. But here's the Bible, Haley's Bible handbook that you wanted. And again, like we tell everybody, welcome to the family. And I was just happy to be one part of all of the parents and the Bible school teachers and the, and the preachers and everybody else that had a part in this young man coming to the Lord. And uh, we're very proud of you. So welcome to the family. Yes. Uh, yes, and the baptism was a wonderful uh, experience that his father got to uh, partake of, and so it was really wonderful. You know, sometimes when you baptize somebody and you have an older baptistry and the water descends, it just disappears over time, you know, and, and it leaks and it goes down. Well, he really had to get uh, Preston down under the water to make sure he's fully submerged. And, well, if you're ever wearing waders and you've got to get a little too far down, you know where the water goes. <laughs> and so I got a kick out of it. I said, I'm glad you baptized him. <laughs> Yeah, he took some of that water home with him. Yeah, he wanted to have it as a, you know, like a, a memory, right? But this, uh, the, good morning, and again, as, as we look at uh, the lessons today, um, can we have that TV put on in the back, please? That way I can see my slides and I don't have to keep turning around. And so, before we get to that, as I've said last week, we started to look at, we looked at Pinocchio, right? We looked at lying. Uh, we looked at uh, lessons that are applicable to all, but we're starting to focus on some series of lessons that are going to be for our teens, right? Our middle school age kids, our teens. And so last week we talked about Pinocchio, we talked about lying, we talked about the age of accountability. Uh, and I was really uh, wanting our parents to have conversations with their children just, just to see where they're at, because you know your children the best. Because at the end of the day, we talked about a study that was given last week from junior to senior Pinocchios, right? And we looked at that study, right? A thousand different people, ages six to 77, and they found out that in the adolescence age group, right? Teens, they tend to lie the most, right? And so we started to look at the numbers, why that is, and we pushed the envelope. So if you haven't gotten how they push the envelope, and so how they start to maybe lie, deceive, in order to cover up for some of the things they don't want mom and dad to find out about. And so then we started to talk about that age of accountability. And I know we've had a lot of families last week that were on vacation, so I'm just kind of just resetting that stage for you for a second. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, listen to it with your, with your teens, listen to it with your, uh, your middle school age kids, because as they start Get to, the, get to that sixth, seventh grade, they're not automatically in that safe state anymore. And I want us to look at that because as I asked the, 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 the teens last week and as I asked the, 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 the congregation last week, how many sins was it that took uh, Eve to get booted out of the garden? It was one sin. How many sins does it take us to be separated from a holy and righteous God? It takes one sin. And so if you get to that point to where you start to choose sin over what you know to be right, you're no longer in a safe state. It's just the way it is. And so we're starting to gear some lessons towards, some, uh, towards our teens and middle schoolers, and yet they're still applicable to all. And I gave some examples that our, that our, that our older folks, our adults, could look at last week as well. Today what we're going to look at is our choice of friends. 
Is your choice of friends something that's uh, important to, to speak to your children about, right? Their choice of their friends. How about when you were younger, your choice of your friends? Did you ever choose to maybe hang around some friends that could either have negative or positive consequences? We know that we had some good, wholesome friends, and we had some friends and some acquaintances that we decided to we wanted to hang out with that, well, they were a negative influence on us, right? They were trying to kind of pull us down. Why? Well, maybe we're trying to fit in. Maybe we're just trying to be liked. Maybe, you know, because we're going through that weird stage where we're going through puberty at, you know, that, you know, that sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and, and they're starting to kind of feel their way out in the world. They're trying to look for some uh, independence, right? And so they're starting to maybe befriend some people that as parents we wouldn't necessarily wish they would befriend. Any parents ever have that happen in their children's lives? No, surely it, was just, it wasn't just me, right? And so I think about uh, these things here this morning. And as we think about these things, I'm here to tell you that friendships can be a great blessing in your life. I mean, friendships are sweeter, uh, are, are one of the sweetest things in life. And as we think about friendships, th there needs to be the, the realization that friends can either be a blessing to your life or they can be a curse. If you've ever had certain friends, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I grew up in southwest Detroit, and I lived there for 18 years, and I, I can just tell you, I had friends that were a blessing, and I had friends that were a curse. I had friends that were looking to try to get you to do everything that they would be willing to do and have you join, have you join them because they wanted you to, to, to kind of fall in, right, and to, to really do the things that they were doing. And so at the end of the day, we live in a world now that has kind of gone crazy. It seems like each generation, I remember the things that we did in high school, they're doing now in middle school. And then the middle schoolers, what they used to do, are now doing in elementary school. And it's, it's thing, these things are just happening earlier and earlier. And so we need to be very aware of friendships. We need to be aware, very aware of who, who we allow into our lives because real friendships based on honesty. It's based on trust and unselfishness. It's based on loyalty. And friends, they, they can, good, true friends are those that you can confide in. Good and true friends are those that you can depend on. Real friends are always those individuals who are willing to tell you the truth, even if it hurts a little bit. You know, somebody who's not really a real friend is only going to tell you what you want to hear. But a real, true friend is going to tell you something, even if it's going to hurt your feelings. I think about in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 27 and verse 6, and we see that it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. That's just the first half of that verse, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. Well, why is that? Because friends help each other to grow and to become better in mind and in character, and there's certain times that if I'm really going to be your friend, I need to speak honestly with you about maybe the things that you're doing, the road that you're going down, the things that you're participating in. If I'm really your friend, I'm not afraid to have that conversation. And if you're really my friend, you're going to know it comes from a good place because real friendships are based in love. They're based in trust. They're based in unselfishness. They're based in loyalty. You see, brethren, you think about Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 17. You guys have seen this passage many times. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. We've all seen this passage of Scripture. But this is because good friends tend to rub off on one another. Iron sharpens iron. Good friends tend to rub off on one another, and you usually tend to attract other friends to your friend group 
If you're not trying to please others, if you're not just trying to fit in, if you're not just trying to find your way, but you're choosing friends based on a certain criteria, more often than not, you're going to then, you're going to do what? You're going to attract people of like mind. And so in the scriptures, it tells us that iron sharpens iron and that one man sharpens another. And if we have faithful friends who have similar morals and similar beliefs as we have, guess what you're going to do? You're going to build each other up. You're going to encourage each other. You're going to sharpen each other. So, brethren, that's why choosing your friends is so very care. Uh, it needs to be so uh, done so very carefully. I would encourage all of our teens here, all of our young people that are here today, to make friends with those who you have strong, a, a strong moral and spiritual connection with. And I know as we're younger, we don't really look at it from a, more, a strong moral, spiritual connection. But you know that there's certain things that if you've been going to uh, Sunday morning Bible school, if you've been going to Wednesday uh, Bible study, if you've been have Christian parents who are raising you up with certain principles, right, certain moral standards, then you're going to know right away that if the kids you're trying to add to your life are really, would they fit into your parents' plan, so to speak, right? And if they don't, then you have to ask yourself, are these kids that are going to draw me away to do things that I know are to be sinful? Know that my parents call wrong. Know that my Lord calls wrong. And if I know that it's wrong, but I choose to do it anyways, am I still in that safe state? And the answer is no. You're no longer in that pure state because you know right and wrong, but you choose wrong over good. You choose unwholesomeness over wholesomeness. And so young people here today, I'm encouraging you to try to, to understand what your parents are teaching you. Because many of us have already been there, done that. We've already walked the path that you're trying to walk. We've already made the mistakes that you're looking to make. And we're here to tell you, we're trying to save you from burdens. We're trying to save you from consequences that are, well, not so fun. And so as we think about this here this morning, I'm going to tell you a true story. There is a true story that comes back from uh, uh, probably 10, 12 years ago, Sacramento, California. There was a young man, his name was Cheeto. Cheeto would have never have predicted how his mourning would have changed the course of his life. This 19-year-old never realized that his decision to give a couple old friends a ride was going to... Well, it was going to turn fatal. It was going to end up fatal. And it started out with a simple car ride. How many of our teens, don't you ever go and pick up your other friends, right? You'll go pick up Jose, you go pick up Saul, you go pick up Haley, and then what do you do? You go out, you're, the music's pumping, right? You're having fun, you're talking, you're having a good time, and then you say, hey, let's go over here, let's go over there. But you know what most teens do? Hey, let's grab some burgers. And they go to the fast food joint, right? And they got their burgers. They're eating in the car. They're listening to the music. And then all of a sudden, they, they take off from there. And as they take off from there, uh, they, they, this, this driver, Cheeto, he's 19 years old, never been in trouble with the law. But there's a problem because two of the individuals that he hung out with, well, you have Saul and Jose. Well, Jose, he just got out a few weeks earlier from, well, like a, a prison camp for juvenile offenders. Repeat, juvenile offenders. Saul, he's been lucky. He, can, he does bad things all the time. He just hasn't got caught. But so Cheeto, who's known to be a good kid, 
has these two friends that he's known most of his life. He decides to pick them up that morning. They decide to go out and running around town and just running errands and doing different things, hanging out. And all of a sudden, as they're driving down the road, as they're heading towards Walmart, because that's where uh, Saul wanted to go, Jose, he sees this kid. He's standing by the, uh, he's standing by, uh, uh, the, the bus stop. And as he's standing by the bus stop, Jose, he yells out from the back seat, hey, pull over. Let's see what this kid has. Let's see what we can get from him. And all of a sudden, Cheeto's like, what? He's like, man, just pull over. Let's see what we can do. So he passes the bus, bus stop. He whips a U-turn. He pulls over on the other side of the road. And then Saul and him pop out of the car. But before they pop out of the car, Haley's like, what's going on? This is crazy. I don't want any part of this. But she's freaking out. She's in the back seat. These two young teens pop out of the car. They rob the young, te the young teen standing by himself at the bus stop. And they jump in the car and Cheeto takes off because he's the driver. And then all of a sudden, they get down the road, a few minutes down the road, and they're, all of a sudden they pull into this Walmart that, that Saul originally wanted to go to. Well, what happens? Well, that... Other people witnessed that crime. It got called in. And then there's this car that matches Cheeto's car. And these police officers happen to be close by, and they pull in. This one officer pulls in behind him. He pulls in, he gets out of the car, and they start to ask him questions. And as he's asking him questions, the conversation isn't going well. And Cheeto's starting to freak out in his mind because he's thinking to himself, I didn't rob the kid, but I know I'm in trouble. I don't really know what the consequences of the trouble are, but I know I'm in trouble. And so all of a sudden, he's freaking out. And we know that Cheeto, he wasn't innocent because he was the driver of the car. He was the one that made the U-turn. He was what? An accessory to this crime. And you, so even though he didn't know what the consequences were, were going to be, he knew that he made that wrong decision. But you see, that wasn't the only wrong decision that he made. And he's starting to think about what the consequences to these decisions are. But yet in the back seat, he's got Jose, who just a few weeks prior just got out of the juvenile detention camp for repeat offenders. And he's screaming in his ear, get out of here, get out of here, let's go, let's go. And all of a sudden, you got this kid barking in his ear, in Cheeto's ear. And Cheeto's sitting there, he's listening to this, and he's thinking to myself, maybe I could get out of this. Maybe we could still get out of this without getting in trouble. And, and, and again, Jose's barking in his ear. And all of a sudden, he makes another choice. He throws the car in reverse, and he slams into the squad car. And as he slams into the uh, squad car, Officer Howland... It says in the police report that it pushed his car back several feet. He has to jump onto the hood of another car close by, and then he pulls out his revolver, and he fires eight shots into this vehicle. And as he fires the eight shots into this vehicle, brethren, we see that there's all of a sudden silence, dead silence, because Cheeto is dead. Anyone in that car that day would probably tell you Cheeto wasn't the instigator. Cheeto wasn't known to be a troublemaker, but Cheeto... And also, Cheeto didn't really rob anybody, but he was there. He was part of it because he was the driver of the vehicle. He was the driver of the getaway vehicle. But Cheeto made several mistakes that day behind the wheel that cost him his life. Cheeto died from gunshot wounds to the chest and to the arm. And people who knew the situation probably would say that the bullets hit the wrong person that day. But Haley, she's freaked out in the back of the car. She just wanted to get out. She wanted to go home. But yet she never had that opportunity. And the next day, Saul was arraigned in Sacramento Superior County Court on felony charges of robbery and receiving stolen property and the bo uh, for robbing the boy at the bus stop. 
Jose, he faced similar charges. And even though he was only 16 years old, this time because he was a repeat offender, he was charged as an adult. But Cheeto, he never had that opportunity to be faced charges because Cheeto's life ended that morning. He, Cheeto's life ended that day. And so friends and family, brothers, sisters, teens, I ask you some questions here this morning. I want you to think about, and I want you to ask yourself, who are you letting in your back seat? I want you to ask yourself, who are you surrounding yourself with, so to speak? Who are you choosing to allow yourself to be friends with? Because I'm here to tell you that evil company will corrupt good morals if given enough time. You see, that story I just told you is from Sacramento, California. It's a true story, but that story plays out on every in every major city around the country every single day, every single night. Just go, on, go home, turn on the local news, and you'll hear stories like that. This is a true story, and I want you to think about not just friendships this morning, but I want you to think about choices and consequences. Cheeto was known as a good kid, but on that particular morning, he surrounded himself with people who were known to be bad people. He made the choice to pick them up. He made the choice to hang out with them. And that one decision led to a, to, led to a series of bad decisions that ultimately cost him his life. So think about choices. Think about consequences. A choice to pick up someone known as a criminal. A choice to befriend somebody else named Saul, who maybe has never been caught in what he was doing, but he was so willing to pop out of that car and join Jose in robbing another kid. A choice to make the U-turn and to let his passengers commit this crime. He could have said, man, you're out of your mind. I ain't turning around. I ain't being involved in this. But that's not the choice that he made. A choice to continue driving them around even after the crime has been committed. And a choice to run from a police officer. Cost him his life and two other teens were incarcerated. Luckily, Haley, they admitted that she wanted no part in it and she was allowed to go home. If Jose, had been, if Jose hadn't been barking in his ear, if he hadn't been whispering in his ear, he probably, Cheeto probably would have made different choices that day. So my question for our teens here today is, who's barking in your ear? Who's whispering in your ear? Who do you befriend and who do you hang around with knowing that, well... If my parents knew, they wouldn't be happy. Because these aren't necessarily good people. But you know what? That's the crowd that I'm trying to fit into. And so if I just if I hang out with them, hey, then maybe I'll be one of the cool kids. Maybe I'll end up being into the crowd that, well, everybody seems to like. And that's they go to all the fun parties. They hang around all the other cool kids. But you have to understand that the other cool kids are defined by what? Worldliness and not godliness. If you're raised up in a Christian home, should your definition of fun and exciting be the same as, well, the kids that you see in the world? To all of our teens who are beginning to get their, their, get their freedom, all of our teens who are getting their driver's license, be careful who you let in your car. What I mean is be careful who you let in your life. Be careful who you allow to influence you. Be careful who you listen to. Because as Randy read this morning in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 15 and verse 33 and 34, do not be misled. Do not be deceived. For bad company will corrupt good morals. Come back to your senses as you ought. 
Stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I would contend to say that there are many in the world today who are ignorant of God and his moral standards. And he says, I say this to your shame, the Apostle Paul wrote to the people of Corinth. So brethren, the Bible regularly talks about and encourages us about the importance of surrounding ourselves with not people who are going to drag us down, not people who are going to cause division, but people who are going to build us up. For iron sharpens iron. To be careful to who we avoid. Be careful to avoid all of those who are going to lead us away. The Bible continuously speaks on these things. And the Bible instructs us to avoid those who encourage us to go away from our parents' rules. To go away from our long-held beliefs. Check out this next passage in Proverbs chapter 2 and verses 12 through 15. Wisdom will save you from the wicked men. Wisdom will save you from the ways of the wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths and walk in darkness. It means that they walk in sinful ways, who delight in doing wrong, who rejoice in the perverse, uh, per, perversiveness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are, and who are devious in their ways. You see what all of these different passages, Old and New Testament, teach, and the scriptures contain the wisdom of God. Because God knows that as we come out of the world, we're just babes in Christ. And it takes a long time to spiritually mature. But God says, if you read my word, don't worry, I got your back. He says, because I'll give you the wisdom that you need to live a holy and sanctified life. He goes, I'll give you the wisdom you need so even when you make the wrong choice, you find yourself in trouble. He says, I'll still give you the wisdom that you need, the knowledge that you need in order to know how to deal with said problem. You see, brethren, the scriptures contain the wisdom of God, which instructs us to watch out for people like Saul and Jose. Instructs people like Cheeto in how they are to live their lives. You see, God also reminds us in passages, passages like Hebrews chapter 10 to surround ourselves with other believers. To surround ourselves with other believers who are going to encourage us to do what is right. Who are going to encourage us to be the best version of ourselves. You see, brethren, ask yourself, who do you surround yourself with? Ask yourself, who's whispering in your ear? Ask yourself, who has influence over you? But you know what? This isn't just for the teens. Anybody here have a secular job? And being that you're not standing up here, I'm pretty sure that most of us do or have had. Who do you work with most? Worldly people or, or uh, religious people? Right? Do you not work with mostly worldly people? And then so you work with them 8, 10, 12 hours a day, depending on your job, depending on your shifts. And many times you're surrounded by people of the world more than you are influenced even by your own family. Because oftentimes you're with them more than you are with your family. And you're definitely with them a thousand percent more than you are with your church family, especially if you only show up on Sundays and you're not involved in, well, fellowship opportunities. So, so iron can sharpen iron, right? So we can strengthen one another, so we can encourage one another. So if you're surrounded by worldliness on a regular basis, you need to be even more aware of who you're allowing to influence you. Hey, there's a group of us, we're going to go out, it's, it's, it's Johnny's birthday, and we're going to go to the bar, and we're going to celebrate, and why don't you just come with us? I know you're not, you know, usually don't drink, but hey, why don't you just come with us? Why don't you just have a drink? It's Johnny's birthday, let's just hang out a little bit, and let's just... Next thing you know, who knows where that, that night's going to, well, lead? 
Who knows where that night's going to end up? Who knows the decisions you're going to choose to make? You see, brethren, there's all types of examples that I could give to you. Because I used to work in the world. And I used to be a very worldly person. And I'm here to tell you this isn't just for the teens, but it's also for the adults. Which of your peer group, your co-workers, are you allowing to influence you to do things that you know that God would call sin? Brothers and sisters, as we continue to look at this here this morning, real and true friendships are a wonderful blessing to each and every person's life, but they could also, friendships can also be a curse and bring a curse to your life. Friends are people who always have your back in good times and bad times. In the book of Proverbs, in 17 and 17, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born from adversity. Brethren, we know that friends and family are crucial in our support and our encouragement, especially in the hard times. In times of trouble, you need to know who your real friends are. Because real friends, as it tells us in Proverbs 18 and 24, those are the individuals that will stick closer to you than a brother. Well, what is that verse telling us? It's telling us that if you have real, true, faithful, loyal friends who are willing to speak honestly with you, that many times they become closer than your own flesh and blood. I'm here to tell you today there's so much truth to that. I have more, I have closer, deeper relationships than I have with many of my own family members. Why? Because we walk the same path and we strive to encourage each other, to lift each other up, and to become better versions of ourselves to the glory of God the Father. You see, brethren, as we look at this information, the same word that was used there to the friends stick together is the same word that's used in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 14 when, when Ruth decided to cling. It says she clung to Naomi. And the bond of friendship was one that was forged through thick and thin. Even though her husband's dead and gone, she could have went her own way. The mother-in-law, Naomi, tried to get her to go her own way. But she said, no, no, no. I'm with you to the end. May your God be your God. Your problems be my problems. May we worship and may we, may, we, may we live and celebrate in good times and bad in order to lift each other up. For I will walk beside you and your God will become my God. You see, brethren, friends like these become family. And our teens need to understand that as they grow and that as you mature and as you age, that the sweetest and most enduring friendship are often those that you form at a young age and that continue through adulthood, just like the ones that just went camping here a couple days ago. Where were those friendships formed? Right? We have many people here at Lincoln Park. When I think of the Brooks and the Danzes and the Perrys and the Davises and others, right, that, these, that they're starting to, they're, they're, they grew up together. Their kids are growing up together. They hang out together. They, they, they encourage one another. They lift each other up. They celebrate uh, one another. And why is that? Because they allowed their faith to carry them through the troubles of teens, Teen, uh, their teenage years, their early adult years, to the point to where now they're raising their families together, and hopefully they get to the point to where iron sharpens iron. Because each one of them encourages the other to be the best version of themselves. And so as I get ready to close this down, some of us probably, I would say some of us, if not all of us, probably need to rethink who we allow to whisper in our ear. Who we, who we allow to influence us, who we allow to be, well, in our lives on a regular basis. 
Because you have to understand that if you choose to spend more time with worldly individuals than you do with godly individuals, what does that say about your faith? What does that say about your commitment to God and to your beliefs? You see, brethren, we need to make sure that, yes, we hang out with those in the world. There's nothing wrong with uh, fellowshipping with them. But we do so to encourage them to, to sow the seeds of Scripture, to sow the seeds of truth that will hopefully transform their hearts, which will transform their lives. And hopefully one day they'll give their lives to Christ and have another family member added to the kingdom. Ask yourselves this morning, what are you going to do about the people in your life that are dragging you down? They might not be as bad as the kids in this story, even though this is a true story, even though this story happens in every major city across America every single day. We see, brethren, that even though your friends may not be as bad as these kids, may have not been doing the things that these kids are doing, but you know in your heart of hearts whether or not they are a good influence. You know whether or not that they're going to maybe cause you to, well, fall away, to maybe believe some things that will be contrary to what your parents and, well, even God are getting you to believe. You see, brethren, maybe you need to avoid hanging out with some of these people. You see them in the hallway at school. You see them outside in public. You see them at a local restaurant. I'm not saying you can't say hi and be nice to these individuals. But be careful who you allow to have influence over you. Who you allow to choose to spend your time with. Because I'm here to tell you, if you choose the wrong people, there will be negative consequences. Don't be like Cheeto. Remove the people from your list of friends who are going to drag you down. I wonder how, I wonder how much Cheeto would have been happy to have somebody to speak honestly, truthfully to him about, well, the friends that he hung around, the friends that he hung with, the friends that he chose to hung with, and what those choices and what consequences could lead from those choices. I wonder how thankful he would have been to have somebody be honest with him about the choices he was making. Brethren, let's always try to remember, there's a slogan that I used to tell my kids when I used to drop them off at school. Aiden's been taking the bus last year, so I didn't get to say it in the morning. But most of the time when I dropped my kids off to school, I always said, peace, love, and honor. Before they got out of the car, I just said something simple, peace, love, and honor. Be at peace with all men so far as it depends on you. Is that, is that biblical? Right? Right? Love. Love even the unlovable, even as Christ loves us and honor. Be somebody who is well spoken of. So when your kids get out of the car, just tell them, hey, peace, love, and honor. Allow that to sink into their minds. Because I'm telling you, we need to make sure that we're constantly feeding them with the right things to guide them in this life, to guide them in a world that is looking to tear down Christianity, to remove all principles of God, and to basically uh, remove God from all aspects of society. There's no re- there's, there's, it's no wonder that so many of our kids are struggling. It's no wonder that so many of our kids, after they leave the church, after they graduate high school and they go off to college and they get married, that so very few of them are returning to the Lord's church. Why? Because the influence of the world is greater than the influence that God has in their lives. And that begins in the home. And that begins with us, and it begins with their friends groups. So brethren, if you're hearing this today and you want to have questions, if our teens or young adults have questions, get with me afterwards. 
I'm always willing to talk. I'm always willing to study with you. I'm always willing to answer your questions. If you're here today, but you're not a Christian, and your desire to become a Christian, you haven't gone down into the baptistry for the remission of your sins. You know that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and yet you still haven't done what you need to do to, to rectify that. You could do that today as we stand and sing the song of invitation.